What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brent McGrath, and today it is Friday. You know what that means if you're a listener on the pod. It's a conversation with a content marketer that matters. I've got Leah from Guru on the pod today to talk about some content marketing topics that are exciting to me, and I think they might be exciting to you. Hey, check this out. Leah was a contestant on Jeopardy. So you know she's bringing the knowledge. Can't wait for you to listen. If you like what you've been hearing, hit that subscribe button. Subscribe to this show. Leave me a review if you think I'm doing a good job. Go join our wait list. It's in the show notes. You're going to get a newsletter, a newsletter that goes out Friday afternoons, authored and curated by yours truly. You can also visit thejuicehq.com, another landing spot where you can sign up. Hopefully, you've had a great week. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I am excited for today's episode. I am here with Leah Friedman with Guru. I am excited for this conversation. You know, this was one of the ones where I had done some homework on my end of some companies that were creating some cool content and just was doing some research on who those people potentially were behind the content and just cold email the Leah and we ended up connecting and having a good conversation. So I'm excited to, to share some of that with you today. Uh, without further ado, how are you doing today, Leah? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Brett? I cannot complain. We record this on a Monday and it's 60 degrees here in Indy, which is Great. I think spring might be here to stay. At least I'm hopeful. Uh, likewise, it is 60 degrees here in the Bay Area, at least my my little pocket of the Bay Area. So, And it's not raining, which is exciting for March, except I guess we need the rain. So maybe not so exciting. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, aw- that's awesome. So I have to just kind of, before we get into content marketing, I think I don't know. I feel like you've got a fun fact that I'd love for you to share with the audience because part of my research and investigation on you, I saw something that involved potentially Jeopardy that I'd love for you to share with the audience because I think it's super unique and fascinating. So maybe share a little bit about Jeopardy. Um, Just about a month ago, uh, just over a month ago. Well, February 18th. I'm not sure when this is going to be put out in the uh in the world so let's back up and say yeah february 18th i had uh, an episode of jeopardy broadcast um i came in second place i was very lucky to come in second place considering i had a very up and down game um but i would not trade that experience for the world um it was wonderful to meet ken jennings and the other contestants um and you know kind of a lifelong dream to be on jeopardy and uh got to make it happen even in the weirdest year on record. Um, yeah. What was it? Was it when you were standing there and getting ready to play the game? Did it all like, was it just how you had pictured it? Was it different? I'd, I'd love to, to hear about it. Yeah. The, um, the set was exactly like, you know, sometimes you're watching something and then maybe you see the actual set or, or even like, a sports stadium or something in person and you're like oh it feels so much smaller maybe in real mm. life no the jeopardy set was exactly as <laughs> i imagined it my entire life there it was it was there were no surprises i you know 
if, if you know, if I'm thinking about it, we we were over at the Wheel of Fortune set earlier that day to drop our our stuff, and that set was much smaller than I expected it to be. But you know, the the real thing about about competing on Jeopardy is that like at home you can just call out the answers, and if you're wrong, like there's no penalty. Um, <laughs> and then when you're actually recording your episode, like if you if you ring in and and you get a wrong answer, like no, like you're gonna lose. A couple hundred to a couple thousand bucks. And that was my downfall. Like I did not practice the way I probably should have knowing that going into it. So, well, well, that uh, in and of itself, a big congratulations. You're part of the few that can say they've done that. And I would imagine being a Jeopardy contestant makes you extremely qualified when it comes to all things content marketing. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, so, so maybe we start here. So I like, I, I led with upfront with, you know, we're launching this company and I'm trying to research companies that are doing really good content marketing. And I had this little process going where I took companies that were, had a lot of reviews on G2 and had positive sentiment on G2. And at the top of that list was Guru. And so I immediately started researching Guru and looked through the website, saw what you did, looked through the content. I was like, this is where this company's really cool. Like I'd love to like try to research and investigate like who are the people behind the content. So maybe before we jump into like your role at Guru, maybe share a little bit about who Guru is and kind of the customers you serve. Yeah. Um, so I think what's important to point out is that there are a few companies named Guru and our website is not guru.com. We are getguru.com. Um, and we are a knowledge management platform. You might also think of it as a company wiki um, that is designed to get you the knowledge you need when you need it. It's a really cool platform. I can't say that before I joined, I was particularly passionate about knowledge management. I mean, it seems like a pretty dry topic when you just like walk up, if you were to walk up to someone and say like, what are your thoughts about knowledge management? I don't think anyone would like get real excited and be like, oh, I have so many thoughts about knowledge management. That being said, you know, using the product, it's it's a, you know, I've I've become not just a customer, I've become not just an employee, but I've become evangelical about it. I have a lot of thoughts of it. I am the one person that if you walked up to on the street and said, give me your thoughts about knowledge management, I would be able to expound on them at length. But it really is like, about getting you the information you need when you need it, where you need it um, with a minimum of fuss and like without having to use a control F to like search through the page to find maybe what you're looking for. To me, that is like the worst experience and what my experience had been at at many other companies um, that weren't focused on solving this problem. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. And uh, I mean, like content wise, I think, you know, my goal really is always to make what I'm creating accessible to other people who might not be passionate about a subject or might not, you know, have ever really even thought about it. I really, my goal is for it to be accessible to as many people as it can be. And I usually try to do that by working in some sort of pop culture analogy um, <laughs> as I am a pop culture aficionado. And, you know, I've, I've found that really I think at its core, content marketing is is about having a knack for finding relatable examples. <laughs> I, I, I I couldn't agree more. And I think the the pain that which Guru is solving is something we've all dealt with and are currently dealing with and serves a need. And so like as part of my process, when I saw like the the fans that Guru had, immediately my I my thought was like, all right, well, 
if they've got like these types of people that are emphatically writing these positive reviews on G2, they've got to be doing content really well because content is just such a big piece of building your brand. Um, and so digging in, I, I, I dug in, saw your work and saw other members of your team writing and was like, this is really good. So I, I think when we first talked, you mentioned like content marketing is much more than just writing a blog. So maybe share some perspective on what, what content is, is like at Guru and what role do you play in it? Yeah. So I mean, I'm going to throw out there that I think a lot of people would agree that content marketing as a discipline is fairly new um, and has only been really, really marketed as such maybe in the last 10, 15 years, um, maybe an even shorter period of time. And I, I think because of that, there's been a lot of confusion as to what content marketing is. And at a lot of companies, I think it's like, well, content marketing is copywriting or content marketing is essentially product marketing, but like, you maybe have an emphasis on writing. <laughs> and, you know, from my perspective, and, and one of the really nice things about the way our marketing team is structured at Guru is that content marketing really is, I mean, it's top of funnel. I almost want to say it's above the funnel. It's about creating brand equity and trust um, without being salesy. It's about establishing that you are a company worth paying attention to and that you, you are trustworthy. You know what you're talking about. And so when I, when I approach content marketing, it, it is really part of the growth, growth function. It is not part of the product marketing function. And you know, I, my goal is to get you interested in the company however I can. And then once you are bought into our way of thinking about solving problems, you know, then I can, then I can pass you over to our, our incredible product marketing team um, to explain to you why Guru is the right solution to those problems. I, <laughs> I am not a product marketer. It is not my strong suit. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it, I think it's important as we are establishing really guide rails or guardrails rather for content marketing to say essentially what it isn't because otherwise there's just going to continue to be a role of confusion. Yeah, totally. And you you mentioned something that we've talked about internally here, uh, the top of the top of the funnel, like the level above. Um, and I've I've never really heard someone mention it until you you mentioned it. And so playing at the the top of the top of the funnel, what what types of things are you doing to kind of build and develop trust with your audience that will eventually enter your sales funnel? Like how do you how do you see that trust being developed through your content at Guru? What types of things are you doing? Yeah. Um, so I mean, we do have a blog. Um <laughs> at a lot, I think it's kind of it's kind of a given that your content marketer will own the blog. Um that doesn't necessarily mean that like everything we write is super top of funnel. In, in a lot of cases, it's just like, okay, I own the content calendar and I have a lot of say as to what gets put on there. But like we have plenty of company stories or product marketing stories. Um, and then in those cases, I really am kind of an editor and a brainstorming partner. But when, when I am writing something for the blog, it is really, it really has nothing almost to do with the product. It is, you know, what is something that I think is valuable for someone like me to know? Just last week, I wrote a long 
a long, but I think it was a very exciting piece about <laughs> how to create a more efficient, a more efficient tech stack. And, you know, it, when I really started to think through the process and started to talk to folks, it's like, I think most of the time you would assume you would start at the budget. And it's like, no, you don't start at the budget. You start at asking people what they use. <laughs> and, you know, that, that was kind of a light bulb for me because I think it's, it's so easy to just say like, well, this is our biggest line item. We're going to cut it. And, you know, if you, if you have an expensive product, but you have universal adoption within your company, no, you absolutely should not cut it. Um, so those are the kinds of problems I really like to look at. In addition, you know, we'll do a lot of top of funnel guide content. You know, what is sales enablement? And why is it important to you? Something like that. Uh, you know, I mean, I also help facilitate webinars, um, kind of the standard bag of content marketing tools. But, it, you know, it really is to me about creating something that I would see value from <laughs> I, a discerning I, I, customer. I totally agree. It's you. So sometimes it's like if more uh, marketers would just like reverse roles and put yourself in the consumer's shoes and ask yourself, is this something that I would find valuable or, you know, get excited about? And if the answer is no, then you probably shouldn't be putting it out there in the, in the ecosystem. That's at least my opinion on it. You, I mean, you I mentioned, also, I don't think yeah. that you should just be creating content for the sake of creating content. Oh, yes. Um, it should have an absolute <laughs> purpose. And if there's no good reason to publish it, you shouldn't, you shouldn't create artificial deadlines um, or artificial like, well, we promised that we would post once a week. And so we have to get something out there. It's like, I, in very few cases, I think, especially in B2B, especially in SaaS, are there going to be people outside of your company who will notice if you don't post. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think those are facts. I think, I think you, so in my perception and just B2B marketing with content production, it just seems like there's not a production problem. Like everyone's producing, producing, producing. And most of them, most of the production isn't, isn't pointed at, all right, we're producing this because we know our audience is asking for this. It's people producing the content because they're trying to hit Google algorithms and try to feed the machines and stay relevant. And so you you mentioned accessibility up on the top of it and saying, you know, you write just to make sure stuff is accessible. And I think like, I'd love to get your opinion on this. I think a lot of the times, like a lot of B2B companies, that's their biggest problem is just getting their content distributed and act, accept, making it accessible to the people that would really benefit from reading their pieces. Yeah. I mean, there is that kind of chicken and egg problem. What comes first? Humans reading your content or, you know, not being able to find it. I probably explained that very poorly, but like, do you invest in SEO first or do you invest in content first? And here actually, for a while, I was I was wearing both hats. I was kind of our SEO manager internally and our content manager. And as our company has scaled, uh, I had to bring in someone who knew way more about SEO than I ever will. Um, and so they are part of the content marketing team, so that we can find that that bridge. You know, the goal is always to write for humans, and if you need to find a way to make it accessible to an algorithm. You should. The fact is not every piece that you're going to put out there is going to be designed to be accessible via search. There are so many other ways to find content. I mean, you might there you might actively want to inhibit, you know, especially if it's like a gated piece or something. 
the the crawling of content but organic is your cheapest <laughs> your cheapest lead source really so it, there's just there's so many other ways to get noticed by google that don't involve just keyword stuffing which creates a bad user experience and honestly you know the more that you dig into net, the more that you dig into seo the things that you find are like one of the things that really affects your your ranking is how fast people bounce off of your page i mean you can optimize it as well as you want but if if all you're doing is writing for an algorithm people are going to see that immediately bounce off and then that page is going to be downranked despite how many keywords and like how optimized it is <laughs> so it's you know ultimately I mean, I used to be of the opinion that like, no matter what you like, even if you don't invest in a distribution mechanism, great content will will be found. And I don't think that that is true anymore, mostly because there are so many companies creating great content. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're not writing for computers. Otherwise, you would just let computers write. Um, <laughs> So how do you, you, you've got an SEO resource, which is awesome. I think a lot of people out there have them. Some people out there don't. How do you strike that right balance with, all right, I've got this awesome kick-ass piece that I'm going to put out there that I know is good because it, this is something I've researched and I know is important to me and I know our audience and it's, it's going to be important to them. How do you strike the balance of producing this piece for humans? while incorporating, you know, the the talent of an SEO research resource to make sure that it's being optimized appropriately, but not overdoing it? Like, how are you doing it at Guru? So I think one of the mistakes a lot of people make is to create a, create a piece of content and then try to optimize it. Mm. That is the absolute wrong way to do it. Um, <laughs> because, you know, it's just... If you don't have the strategy going into the creation of the piece, the optimization side of things is going to be a chore, is going to compromise what you've created. And you know, ultimately, you might be doing a lot of work for something that has very little monthly search volume. So I think the core way to do it is really to establish a larger SEO strategy. Where are your content gaps? And you know, what would an optimization of or an optimization for a specific keyword look like, and then write the piece around that, knowing that like you, you're writing for people and you're aiming for a specific keyword. That is so much easier than, than doing, you know, writing a thousand words first and then trying to figure out a way to make those thousand words make sense to to Google. <laughs> no, so so no, no, no sending it through the, uh, the keyword optimization uh, ringer once once the blog post is complete. No, I think almost there there are a couple of tools out there that you can almost you can I mean so we work in Google Docs and I actually there's tools that are similar to like Grammarly but are for SEO that you can have open as you're actually writing the piece and you can say like I am optimizing this piece for knowledge management for enterprises I'm just throwing that out there. Um, and you know, it'll give you, you know, a quick score as you start to write, it'll tell you like, oh, well, you might want to put this, this particular phrase in a header somewhere. And I mean, it's, it's really helpful at the same time. Like if you were to implement all of their recommendations, you would have an unreadable piece. I think it's more art than science. I, I would say, especially don't make yourself nuts over something that has like a hundred monthly search volume. <laughs> 
Totally. I, I completely agree. So I'm curious just to move over to maybe like the, the career pathing portion or just content market or progression. You, you said you were kind of the person doing it all. Then you added a resource of that was responsible for SEO, which probably alleviated some work from you, but allowed you to focus more on content. I'm curious, like, how do you foresee the, cause it's a question I think that's out there a lot in just the content marketing space is like, what is my career progression as a content marketer? Like, how are you thinking about that at Guru and just in terms of like gaining more skills, uh, adding more responsibilities and just kind of next leveling your career? Like what, what type of things are you, you trying to do on a day-to-day basis to do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I actually have recently hired two people. <laughs> Um, one who is strictly focused on SEO and CRO, um, and one who is a content strategist, which is really more of a production role. Um, I really want to expand my people manager skills. I want to move into a director role at some point. But I think this brings up a good point, which is that this isn't unique to content marketing. This is basically any non-technical role, I would say, is that like if you're an engineer, you can have you know, a large career mapping planned out that doesn't involve ever being a people manager, but that implies like ongoing title changes, promotions, you know, all the way up to like systems architect. And you might never have to ever, (laughs) ever manage a person. Whereas outside of engineering roles, essentially, like you can max out at an individual contributor level and you can't really see any any career progression unless you specifically want to be a people manager. And I don't think that, you know, I don't think that that is sustainable, especially if if you're dealing with creative people, we all have ambitions at some level to write the great American novel. None of us ever will. Uh, Okay. One or two of us will, especially those of us who are working in marketing, but you know, we, we are ambitious. We want to see career progression. You know, I don't think you're a writer without it, you know, as much as I would love for everyone who's a writer not to have an ego, you know, (laughs) you don't go into writing if you don't have some sort of ego. Um, (laughs) And so, you know, I mean, I think that there is an opportunity for those of us who are in content marketing now and who are seeing career progression to start to ask those kinds of questions. How can we create a parallel path for people who are amazing at production, but who might not really want to be a people manager and who are just intensely creative, who create wonderful stuff that really, you know, is a major asset to the business. How do we reward and promote those people without a clear kind of path the way engineers have? I don't have an answer. I would love to talk to other people about it because I would, I would love to, uh, to help create those kind of opportunities. Totally. And I think on that point, I think it's just, it, there's there is no clear cut progression. It's it varies everywhere. But the more we can network and talk with other people in similar roles and understand like what their aspirations and plans and paths are, I think just the community component of the role of the content marketer, like getting involved in more conversations with other people like you. That's what I found is um, helpful for me as I'm trying to understand the role and just wh- what's possible and, and where it, where it's going. Maybe we close out here. I'd love to get some perspective from you on 
just things that are happening right now in B2B marketing that really excite you and things that are happening in B2B marketing right now that just kind of like need to go that they're, they're spent, they've had their time, they're not helping anybody um, and they just need to be flushed down the drain. So I think I'll, I'll start with the second one, which is things that I don't, I don't think are working really well. Um, and the caveat here is that I think, okay, I'm going to say webinars. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think people are are tired of webinars it, because we've all spent a year staring at our computers um, and not seeing people in real life. I, I mean, like, God, I would love to be served terrible food at an industry conference. <laughs> but I think there are in B2B, there are specific roles where webinars are still highly effective. Uh, you know, the HR role, you know, we've seen a lot of great success and, and other companies have seen a lot of great success with specific targeting for for roles like that. Um, I think more generally outside of, of, of potentially that group, it's, I think folks are starting to see diminishing returns. <sighs> stuff, that, stuff that is really exciting me, I, I, I suspect the standard answer is probably video. Whereas like, I mean, I'm a writer at the end of the day, like I always prefer to have a thousand words to a picture. But, you know, I think, the more really exciting infographics that I see. And, and by exciting, I don't just mean like are beautifully designed because really at the, at the end of it, an infographic should be telling a story with data that you can't tell with words alone. It shouldn't just be a bunch of charts that are, you know, I mean, they're, they're lovely to look at, but like, what are you actually telling me? Where's the story here? But I'm seeing people really take infographics really to the next level where they are telling a story with data that, that would be impossible to tell otherwise. And, and that really does excite me. I wish I were better at that. <laughs> Uh, you and you and I both in the the webinar conundrum. I, I it's it's a topic of conversation that is happening in a lot of different circles. So I'm curious. You know what what probably is going to happen is that they're going to like they're going to go away for a little bit, and then just like anything else, they'll come back, and everyone will be excited about. Oh yes, it. I'm, I'm so excited to get back into an office. But I know yeah. at the end of like the first month, I'll be cursing my commute again. You know, it's one of those things. And I'll just be like, oh, wasn't it nice when I didn't have to commute and I could just like walk upstairs with my latte? Oh, um, yeah. But yeah. I was actually, we, I was having a conversation with my wife about this and she was like, you have to be saving so much money on not buying lunch and buying coffees out there and stuff. And I was like, yeah, but you know what happens. You just go spend it on other stuff online. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, I... I got the same kind of coffee that I always used to get when I was pick, when I was buying my lattes, you know, this expensive San Francisco area roast. I'm like, I've been making my own coffees. I would love to just spend five dollars a day on coffee <laughs> right. right now, <laughs> like just to not have to make it myself. Totally, Leah. This was so much fun. Maybe uh, plug something that's going on on the content or company side at Guru. Anything exciting happening that you want to tell the audience about? Um, there's always exciting stuff happening at Guru. You should definitely check out our blog. It's blog.getguru.com. Beyond that, we have links to any events that we have, which are online at the moment, um, and to uh, great resources uh, on our other digital platforms. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking some time talking about content marketing. Appreciate it. Everyone go check out Guru and uh, have to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Brett. 
ton of fun with that one. Make sure you go check out what Guru is doing. I love their content. It is awesome. If you like what you've been hearing on the show, hit that subscribe button, leave a review. I'll be back next week. I always am on Monday with another conversation and again on Friday with another conversation. We're booking in your week over here with the 3C Podcast. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. And we'll see you soon.